Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest is Jonathan Catherman. Jonathan and his wife founded the 1M Mentoring Foundation. He co-authored Raising Them Ready with his wife and also wrote Guiding the Next Generation and many other books. He's here now with us on the Fatherhood Challenge to talk about how we are raising our kids. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me and having this discussion. Hey, Jonathan, it's really great to be here. It's also really nice to be able to remember your name super easy because it, you know, we share that. I love that. <laughs> it's well, Jonathan wanna... talking to Jonathan. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. It kind of gets interesting when we just have our side conversation before, uh, as we were planning this episode, but it was fun all at the exact same time. And speaking of fun, we like to kind of keep to our tradition and always start off with a dad joke. So Jonathan, what is your favorite dad joke? You know, it was really hard to decide on which dad joke to tell because I've got so many. In fact, I've got a collection of dad jokes that are just about umbrellas, but I really don't tell them very often because they usually go over people's heads. (laughs) Oh, wow. That was a perfect setup. Everything. I didn't even see that coming. It was still funny. It was awesome. (laughs) Makes a great dad joke. It's a perfect dad joke. If, if the eyes aren't rolling in the room, it's not really a dad joke. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing with us. Why did you start writing books about boys and youth? What is the problem you were trying to solve and how bad is it? Well, the first book I wrote was way back in like 2015 and it's titled Manual to Manhood. A fun part is it's been on the bestsellers list ever since, and um, it's it's sits there because there's such a need for young men to gain confidence and build their character. The book came about kind of a combination of events involved in kind of a tragic uh, event in my life where I started a cloud file after titled, uh, If Anything Ever Happens to Me, it was written for my sons. A mentor of mine got a hold of that file, said, this isn't for your boys. It's for more than them. My grandson needs this. The kid down the street needs this. I know many youth that need to see these how-to instructions you've created for your kids. And right about the same time, I was shaking hands at a youth leadership conference and realized, I don't think I've had a good handshake yet. So in the combination of events that, that occurred kind of in that season, a bunch of years ago, I sat down and, and finished writing The Manual to Manhood. And from there, it's kind of spiraled into a whole series of resources for boys and girls as they kind of come of age and are looking to build skills and character, build up their confidence and their capabilities. And it's now even spread into resources for parents. That is quite an effort. And I can see there is a lot of demand there for it. I mean, you don't have to look very far to tell that this is badly needed. I think that in our culture today, we're quick to point fingers at the problem and make these broad um, assessments that uh, the blame lies here or the blame lies there. And we tend to look for these solutions to the problem of, say, of, of um, young people, boys and girls kind of transitioning into adulthood. And we look at this as a big problem in our culture. So we're looking for an even bigger solution. That's kind of like kind of our thing, right? 
if it's a big problem, it's got to be a gigantic Kamezium solution. Yeah. I'm kind of a different thinker like that. I'm thinking along the lines of, well, for some of the biggest problems are some of the simplest solutions. And when we look at the need for boys and girls to, to mature, for them to, to practice, for them to, to get their own space and place about them where they become confident, capable young men and women, it's not done in a single stroke. It's not, a, it's not a one solution fits all. It's a whole lot of little things that build up to that. So you know, when we write, and I say we because I use my wife. Um, she's a co-author of a couple of books and so are my sons. When we write, we're looking for what are the little things that make the big difference. And if, if we can practice in a way that we get better, anybody who says practice makes perfect is just delusional because it doesn't. But it does make us better. So if we can give people tools to practice using, they will get better at discovering and becoming all they were created to be at about every stage, but tend to focus right now on that kind of coming of age for young people. Your books imply that there's a generational brokenness in not only men, but the definition of manliness. It's as if men not only don't know who they are individually, but they are lost to what it really means to be a man. Am I understanding this correctly? Well, I think that we get all of these messages about what masculinity looks like. And if you're on, you know, any of your listeners that are on social media, they're probably flooded with, with messages about, you know, you, okay, guys, time to man up and you know, lift heavy things over your head and, and eat raw meat. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's almost this deluge of mixed messages about being hyper-masculine. And then the other end of it would be, you know, there's, there's no real definition. It's all vague and gray and, and just kind of whatever you decide. Right, And yep. I'm not out to give a definition of what masculinity looks like in what you do or what you buy or how you talk or what you eat or you know, what you drink or smoke. or you know, it's not, I don't believe in that. I believe that the most masculine of men are ones who are confident and capable to handle situations that arise on a regular basis every day. Now, I love to go camping out in the wilderness. I'm, I'm all about that. Um, I love to work on cars. It's one of my favorite things to do, to do with my sons. But I also know that that when we are tearing down a car or we're we're out in in you know in a campsite, those are unique and few and far between experiences. The everyday stuff, the the demands that that come upon us every single day, from when you wake up in the morning to when you go to bed at night, those when they are taken on as challenges rather than seen as threats, that's what makes a guy a man. If you can handle everyday life, now you're a man. Boys need adults to help them. And the odd thing, maybe I should rephrase that. Um, Immature people need mature people to help them. And I meet countless grown men who are immature on the regular. Mm. So I don't think masculinity has to do with age. I don't think it has to do, like I said, with with what you are eating, drinking, driving. It has to do with your confidence and your capabilities. It sounds like it's not something tangible, but more of a, a matter of the heart, character. A, the heart and the hands. I think that that if you've got the mindset, skill set, and tool set, you're capable of doing just about anything. So that makes you willing and able. Willing is a mindset. Able is skill set, tool set. 
If you lack willing or able, then, then the same demand that others face becomes a real difficult challenge for that person to overcome. So, so you know, by definition, we can, we can you know, just open how many different books today or, or get online and, and search. Well, there's a thousand definitions of what masculine or man looks like. I'm boiling it down to real simple. Do you have the mindset, skill set, and tool set to take on the demands of life? And if you, can't, if you do that, then you can take on those demands as challenges, and we thrive in challenges. If you don't have the mindset, skill set, and tool set, the same demand presents itself as a threat, and we are out to just simply survive threats. Challenge. I've heard you use that word several times in what you just said. It's also a key word in the title of this program, the fatherhood challenge. We have to be challenged as men. It's at the heart of who we are and what we need. But you're going another layer deeper, and you were talking about the attitude behind how we approach challenges, how we deal with them. Does that sound correct? Yeah, and technically. So as a sociologist, I think I define challenge different than we use it in just our normal everyday language. And often when we, I hear people say, you know, you got to take on that challenge, they're really using the phrase, they really should use the phrase demand. You want to take on that demand of life. Mm. And demands are just things that require specific effort in you in any, any given day. So example would be um, loading a dishwasher is a demand, right? Changing a flat tire is a demand. Um, the everyday things of you know, getting up, taking a shower, brushing your teeth, shaving, that's a demand. Um, as fathers, we are facing demands every single day, all day long. Now, the question is, are we able and willing to take on those demands? When we're willing and able to take on a demand, that's that whatever's presented itself, we interpret that as a challenge and our brains thrive in a challenge space. We're focused, we're confident, we're proactive. We have the intent to win. It doesn't mean that others have to lose. It just means we can do this. Whereas mm -hmm. if a demand presents itself, but we're not ready, we're either unwilling or unable, that same demand presents itself as a threat. We try to avoid, we're very doubtful, we get reactive, we're trying not to lose. In those situations, our performance goes down, it decreases, and we're in like that thrive, or excuse me, that survive, that, that, that fight or flight type of response. So when I hear the word challenge, I'm thinking, ah, oh, this is a good thing. Whereas most of folks use the word challenge and they're saying, I mean, you know, really hope you make it through this challenge. No, if I'm feeling challenged, I know I'm making it. This is, this is where I want to be. I want to be in the challenge space. So the uh -huh. fatherhood challenge is a place that men should desire to be. This is a great place to be because we're focused, we're confident, we're proactive, we're purposeful, and our performance goes up and we thrive, we grow, we prosper, we succeed. Going in a different direction with our discussion, are dads getting better or worse about teaching kids basic mechanical and other life skills? Why do kids need this experience from their dad? Right. That's a tough one because how many guys can still wrench on their own car these days? Because it's just so technical. I don't, I don't blame guys for not being able to do much. In fact, I, I just bought a brand new car. And it turns out even putting air in the tires, I can put air in the tires, but then I have to go in through this whole system in the computer to check the air pressure to make sure it's proper <laughs> and the car's you know, working correctly. I'm like, good glory. You know, then I've got parked right next to it, an old, very analog four-wheeler that, that, you know, it's my, my old Rover versus my new Jeep. 
and I get in my old Rover and I can wrench on that thing all day long um, and, and know every nut and bolt. Are dads doing this today? Should they be doing this? Where you can. This is a hard part because I hear a lot of men feel guilty about not being able to teach their kids how to do like carpentry or, or, or auto mechanics because they never grew up learning how to do it. And or things have just gotten very complicated today. So dads, hey, don't sweat that. Go back to what you do know how to do and that you can teach your kids. And again, this goes back to we shouldn't be looking for these giant solutions. Start with the little things. Those who can be good stewards, fathers who can be good stewards with the little things in life can help their kids be stewards of the much more significant aspects of life. So start with the little things teaching your kids how to do. And don't just show them or don't just tell them, but actually show them and do it with them also. And that can be for anything from, sure, changing the oil in the car if, you're, if you've got that ability to, I don't know, loads of laundry. Dad's Laundry should be done by everybody. You know, I know many guys don't want to hear that, but that's the, that's the simple truth. And cooking and the aspects of everyday life, you know, treating people politely. Show your kids how to drive politely. There's there's a novel idea for us these days. The last time we we're out in traffic and we we're you know <laughs> yelling at every other person on the road, our kids are watching our model. Teach our kids how to be good, kind, confident capable as they grow up dads that's your job yeah if there's a dad out there listening that is saying well i didn't have that background i'm not good at teaching my son these skills and so the temptation is uh well i'm just i'm just not going to teach him anything um this is where i absolutely love what you said because you went between the lines the point isn't what i was teaching him the point was that i was teaching him Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it is. If I couldn't do a single thing with a vehicle, but I'm a master chef and I'm teaching my son all of the skills, all of the tricks, everything that he needs to know to be a really well-rounded chef. And he's learning those skills. He's practicing them. And I'm right there beside him, coaching him through it. And it could be anything else. So this is why I really love what you just said. It takes the pressure off the specifics of what it has to be that you're teaching them and more the emphasis on the fact that you're involving them in whatever it is that you're doing. I love that. It's the quality time. Absolutely. And think of it dads in three stages. So when we are teaching our kids and you fill in the blank, whatever it is you're teaching them how to do, there's three phases we go through of that instruction process. It actually starts with instruction. We give our kids direct instruction, do this, then that, right? And and then they give it a go. Um, and they get better uh, the more reps they have at whatever it is. It could be from, you know, like riding a bike um, to grocery shopping. You know, look, look, the more often you do this, the better off you'll be. Um, once you've given them instruction, let them go. Let them do it. Is, you know, as long as they're safe enough to not get not too hurt, give them, let them give it a go. And they're not going to be great at it at first. The more reps they get, the more practice they have, the better they'll become. So instruction is where you give directly to your kids. Second stage is guidance, where you come alongside them, you kind of coach them along you know, so they can hone their skills, get a little bit better. So whereas instruction is directional, guidance is beside. And, and then let it go. 
let them again, let them get better at it as, as they're working on their knife skills, as they're uh, uh, mowing the lawn, uh, as they're whatever they're practicing, they've already gotten instruction from you. You've already given them guidance and guidance can last for years, you know, right alongside our kids for years as they grow and mature, but let them go. And the third phase is, is called counsel. And that's actually where the kid comes back to us. Our children come back to us and say, Hey dad, you know, can you shine some more light on this or, or help me out with a different perspective? That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do what we say, but they're seeking our counsel and that requires trust. So whereas instruction is directed towards our kids, guidance is alongside of our children, counsels where they return back to us. If you can do those and let them go between each phase, you'll be in a remarkable relationship of watching your kid take on and learn the things that you know. And at some point, which is, should be everybody or parents desire, they'll be better than us at whatever it is that they've learned. Isn't that a parent's desire? Dads, don't you want your kids to be what? Better than you one day or almost as good as you one day? As a, as a father, I want my kids to be better than me. So instruction, guidance, counsel with releasing them in between each phase. For me, I'm trying to master this skill or master this ability to be able to let go of that ego and learn something new right in front of them. In fact, learn it with them, right alongside them, learn it together. And there's something enriching about that experience that I'm discovering. It's hard to explain or put in words, but it's absolutely worth it. Like you're building something together and you're growing together. There's just something yeah, about that. Yeah, we're bonding together. The closest of our relationships, I think, if we most men look back, they'll see those relationships were built while engaged in something of like mind, like activity with others. Your, your closest friends from growing up, you did all this together. You learned about this together. You practiced that together. You played together. You were in sports together. You Whatever was together is the kind of that, that glue that binds the relationship. So, yeah. Fathers, dads, if you're learning something new for the first time, but you don't want your kids to see that you don't know how to do that yet, that's an ego check. Let them know that you're not an expert at everything. That is okay. That makes you a real person. And they need to see dads who, who uh, try and then need to try again. <laughs> they need to try again. How will they learn to practice if they don't see us practicing? Yeah. And if, if we lead them to believe that we're experts right out the gate, then really we're, we're, you know, we're lying to them. We're, you know, it's, it's, it's an illusion. So let them see a practice, let them see a struggle, let them see a try it again and, and they'll follow suit. I'm going to go off on a very, very different tangent. And this is going to be a very blunt question, but are schools and class and classmates parenting our kids? Well, maybe a little bit. But wait, it, this is this is the hard part for a lot of folks because this is this is like trigger talk right here. <laughs> so if I agree with what the school is doing in the classroom with my kids, then I see them as a compliment to me. If I disagree with the school or the classroom is doing with my child, then I see them as a competitor to me. What I don't want to do is believe that the school is more significant than me. And this is, this is, I think, where parents can ha put their minds at rest. Mom and dad, if you're more influential in your child's life than any teacher or mentor or coaches, then you haven't anything to worry about. Some of your books were written with your wife. 
as if you and your wife are a team. And there's no way that that's an accident. There's a message in the fact that people see both of your names on the cover of your books. What is this message to dads and their kids? Wherever possible, recognize that there's a partner in raising your children. And um, I remember when, when Erica, who's my wife, when we were getting married, I was talking with my grandfather. I said, any of any great you know, marriage advice for me? Now, remember, this, this man's old school, you know, grew up depression and, and back way back in the 1900s. He says to me, he goes, Jonathan, work together like a team of horses and don't balk. I didn't wow. know what that meant. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I knew balk is in like a baseball term. And, but it really, it, it didn't start in baseball. It started in farming, but it has the same meaning. Don't take a false step. Because when yes. a team of horses are yoked together and the lead horse or one of the horses takes a step and then stops and everybody else follows suit, somebody's going to get hurt. Something's going to go wrong. So when Eric and I started riding together, it wasn't the beginning of something. It was the continuation of working together as a team. And if we're going to make bold statements about um, you know, in writing – you know, books, uh, we better do it together because we're talking about our boys and we're talking about families and we're talking about how do you raise up that next great generation. And so this needs to be done in collaboration. Erica and I are a great team. Um, she is an amazing woman. I am, uh, much of who I am today is because of her support. And I know not all dads have that. And, and I'm, I'm sorry, gentlemen, for those of you who don't, um, at the same time, your kids have a mother, your kids have uh, a partner, your kids have somebody who's parenting with them, with you, whether they're at home every day or they're on the other side of town or in a different state, you're parenting with somebody else in some way, shape or form. Be in right relationship with that person to the best of your ability and it'll make that parenting experience all the more valuable and rich. Are families sacrificing quality time together and great memories for increased screen time? And are they also living vicariously through other people's experiences instead of creating their own? Well, if you take a look at your phone, there's a uh, app built into almost all the phones that tell you how much screen time you spend on, on a given day and maybe even what, what you're you know using your phone for. You know, how much was it for calls? How much of it was texting? How much of it was surfing? internet, how much it was in apps, right? And if we were to add that up, on average, children are at about four and a half or more hours and, and teenagers are upwards of seven hours a day online, on their phones, on these devices, really. And are, are we stealing? I, I don't think we are. It's, it's stealing from us because we're giving it to them. I don't think the that social media and the internet is stealing anything. We are giving it away. So the enemy is not the device. The enemy is not social media. The enemy is not the internet. Um, the, the struggle here is, is when we, um, as families, don't engage in ways that are interesting, that are experiential, that are, like you said, making memories. Jonathan, our time is wrapping up, sadly. 
But before we go, what is your ultimate challenge to dads as we close? All right, my ultimate challenge for dads is is help your kids discover and become all they were created to be. Don't try to make them mini-me versions of ourselves. Uh, They are growing up in an era that is drastically different than our own. The when I was your age statements is really more like a history lesson half the time than it is a true comparison of, of what they're going through versus what we experienced. So dads, um, help your kids uh, understand what their talents are and then transform those raw talents into valued strengths. That will help them discover and become all they're created to be. Um, guide your children in uh, defining the purpose and of, of why they get out of bed and do life every day. Put two feet on the floor. Um, that will help them discover and become all they're created to be. And uh, certainly help them bridge that gap between the generations. I'm always impressed when you meet young people who can talk to anybody, be it their peers, you know, of the same age, or an adult or a grandparent. They're just comfortable in any of those spaces. Doesn't mean they have to know everything and be like, but they can they can at least interact. Um, that will help your kids discover and become all they're created to be as well. So as the greatest challenge to dads is, is recognize that these kids are remarkable. They're absolutely amazing, one-of-one creations, and it's our responsibility, our opportunity, our stewardship to help them uh, just be the very best versions of themselves. There's your challenge, dads. Absolutely love it. How can our audience find out more about the 1M Mentoring Foundation that you co-founded with your wife? And also, how, they, how can they get access to some of the other books that you've written? Sure. Well, if you come over to our website, it's called thecathermans.com. It's the word the, T-H-E-C-A-T-H-E-R-M-A-N-S.com. That's our family's website. On there, you can see all about our books. Uh, We have Manual to Manhood, Girl's Guide to Conquering Life, the Manual to Middle School, Girl's Guide to Conquering Middle School, Guiding the Next Great Generation, Becoming the Next Great Generation, and our latest release, Raising Them Ready. Those books are all available on our website. What they're going to do is they're going to probably kick you out over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you like to buy books because the books are sold uh, literally around the world. And or um, you can learn about our foundation, the One in Mentoring Foundation, where we provide mentoring resources to uh, groups that are working with young people. And there is for group mentoring. And we have both men in the making and women in the making club resources. They're free downloads. And uh, you can even get a hold of me if you need any help in guiding uh, up, you know, how to build up a, a, a community of mentorship. And so that's about the best way. Otherwise, uh, give me a call. Come keynote at your event coming up. I'm going to make it easier for you as well. So if you go to thefatherhoodchallenge.com, that's thefatherhoodchallenge.com, and you go to this episode description, right below the description, I'm going to list all of the links that Jonathan just mentioned. So that way you can go right to it. That'll be an easy place. You can find everything in one spot. So Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the program. It's been an absolute honor to have you here. Jonathan, it's been a joy today. Appreciate it. Hope you and your listeners both enjoy the day and uh, go be great dads. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.